Hi, I'm Zealand. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to part two of episode eight of A Thousand Hours. In this part, you'll hear about Woodward's adventures in Germany, including the return of the editor save with all of us in it. If you haven't listened to part one yet, where Tamp Brown and I talk about what we've been getting up to, you should probably do that first. This was recorded as one big episode, and we're only splitting it up because it's literally too long for ACAST to let us upload it at anything remotely approaching good quality. Right, have you gone and listened to part one yet? Or have you already listened to part one and you're finding this bit boring? Fair enough then, let's get on with the show. Time for Alex Woodward to talk our ears off about the Bundesliga, both in terms of Tennis Borussia Berlin and in terms of our simulated save. Yes, indeed. And the last time we spoke about the Tennis Borussia Berlin save, I said that I was going to do one more season with the club and then quit and do something else. I was ready to move on from Tebby. Well, it's three and a half seasons later, and I'll just say a lot has happened <laughs> since then. So, in the next season of the save, I had a similar rough start to what I'd had in my first season of the Bundesliga, which didn't make me feel like I was making any progress. I can't remember if we even talked about it. But anyway, I had a bad start in my first year of the Bundesliga. I had a bad start in my second season of the Bundesliga, after 13 games we had 15 points, we were looking like we were going to be in relegation trouble, but luckily when you need a little pick-me-up in the Bundesliga in real life, well not next year, but you know before that, the best thing to do would be to batter hair to Berlin, and so we went into the Berlin derby, really struggling, but we won 3-1, and that kicked off five straight wins, which was awesome. Moved us right up the table immediately. And then in our next nine games, we would... Oh, no, sorry, our next... Oh, sorry, it was four straight wins. Then in our next nine games, we would win one and lose eight. Relegation trouble again. Fun. But we... Well, actually, we weren't in relegation trouble. I think we dropped out of the top half, but not significantly out of the top half after that. I'll be honest, I wish I could look at the week-by-week standings, but unfortunately FM has not given us that ability yet. Through the final nine games of the season, we will pick up again. We won six, drew two, and lost one. And this brings me on to match day 31 of the Bundesliga season. We had really closed up on the European places. We're in eighth place at the moment, and we were one point behind the side ahead of us. The side ahead of us were Hertha Berlin. And we were playing them on the third to last game, no, fourth to last game of the season. 5-1 win, 5-1 win, 5-1 In the the 89th minute, Lovro Zvonovec got the only goal of the game (laughs) to move us up into seventh place and take a Europa Conference League spot because we drew with Hoffenheim the week after, beat Heidenheim. Heidenheim in the Bundesliga seems a bit unrealistic, but whatever. And then beat Hanover. So we finished 7th in our second season somehow and qualified for the Europa Conference League. I made minimal transfers going into that season and I made minimal transfers again the 
year after. In fact, I signed a player who we've been discussing off the podcast. I signed Lars Lucas Mai from Hanover for three million, Luke Vanieri for three million, Miguel Rodriguez for two and a half million, Ilman and for guys a shocking six million euros. I mean, the spending in football nowadays. It's just ludicrous. I also got an Armindo Sieb on a free transfer, who going Deutsch listeners might know, because I've mentioned him at least two times this season. And then I also brought in my favourite signing was Ander Guevara. In real life, Ander Guevara plays for Real Sociedad, but in last year's football manager, he had signed with Salta Vigo, and he was one of the players who was there when I took over, and was inexplicably good. He was ludicrously amazing for that save. And even when I brought in, on paper, significantly better players, Gravar would be like, no, I'm staying in the squad. And he'd just put in amazing performances year after year after year. It was a rock. So I signed him for this save. He he wasn't as good. He got a 6.96 in his first year, which I don't think he ever got as poor in one year at Salto. I don't think he was even close to that. But, you know, you can't complain overall. So, this brings me on to how we did in the following season, and in the Europa Conference League in particular. We had to qualify, We've, and I am going to butcher some of these names. But we first faced Ilvers from Finland. We got through against them, 4-1 and 3-1. And then we played Slaven Belupo from Croatia, and we lost the second leg 3-2. Luckily, we had won the first leg 6-0, so it really didn't matter. But then we would enter the group stage. We faced Basel, Hammerby, Linfield, Aberdeen, Maribor and Lillestrøm. And we breezed through the group stage. I think, yes, we won every single game in the group stage. So that meant we had a round of 16 tie against Maritimo in Portugal. We won both of those games to advance through to the quarterfinals. And looking at the teams who were in the quarters, I knew if we beat the next team, we would probably get through to the final. We played Mallorca in the quarterfinals. They were managed by Mendilibar. And the idea of Mendilibar doing well in a European competition is, of course, crazy. Like, just try and picture him orchestrating a big victory in Europe. It's it's impossible. But anyway, we drew the leg in Spain 1-0. And then we won against them 1-0 in our home stadium. The only goal coming from Cyprian Martel, the young French star that I renamed after a character on Call My Agent, like a normal person. That gave us a semi-final against Norgeland, which we... Well, we didn't breeze through, but it felt like the result was never in doubt. 2-1 in the first leg, 1-0 in the second leg. So that brought us on to the final. Apart from us, two teams had gone through the group phase without losing. Losing or drawing, they won all of their games. One of them was Fiorentina, and Fiorentina got through to the semi-finals and were knocked out by the other side. The side who I really didn't want to face... But I knew that we were almost certainly going to be facing. We played Newcastle. <sighs> Anyone who knows me and knows I'm a St. Pauli fan knows I don't like Newcastle. 
despise Newcastle. I I had to win this game because I'll be honest, I was getting ready before the game to throw my laptop out the window if I didn't. I sort of, you know, had realised that that was a bad idea and that, you know, I probably shouldn't do that and I had accepted defeat anyway. So we go into the game against Newcastle. In the 23rd minute, one of my regents, Marco Arsic, gave Tennis Borussia Berlin the lead. Arsic was a really weird player because I signed him in the Spider Bundesliga from his club in Serbia. He didn't really do anything. And then in my first two years in the Bundesliga, he also didn't do anything. I think he registered five appearances over two seasons. And then in my third year, I had to bring him on as replacement for Zvonarek at one point because he was injured. And suddenly, I could not get him out of the side. He was absolutely fantastic in every single game, really randomly. He didn't really have the stats to back it up. He's a VGM, by the way. And, yeah, he stayed in the side ever since. He started in the Europa Conference League final, and he scored to give us a one-goal lead against Newcastle. I like the idea that you couldn't take him out the side if you tried. He like, like you kept like dragging well. him out of the squad, yeah. and football managers just kind of pinged him back up. My my assistant, Daniel Bubala, came up to me and went, are you insane? Have you seen how he's playing? <laughs> no, I'm not allowing this. <laughs> Daniel Bubala, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, I made him my assistant very early on in the save, uh, former St. Pauli left back. So it was absolutely fantastic to be able to hire him. Anyway, just before half-time, there had been one minute of added time given, and in the first minute of added time, Alexander Izak scored for Newcastle to make it 1-0. And Alexander Izak that year was weird. He's had a very weird and very unsuccessful period at Newcastle, weirdly enough. His most successful stint, really, was when he went on loan to Real Madrid, which really out of place. It's not quite Faubert to Real Madrid, but it's just a really odd sort of loan move. He went to them for the season, but anyway, he came back... And in the Premier League that year, 37 games played, 5 goals, no assists, an average of 6.64. So he's not a very good player, I think that's safe to say. In the Europa Conference League, 16 games played, 35 goals, 3 assists, an average rating of 8.63. I, I, I enjoy the bloody hell from Alex Tamp Brown, Mr. Like, what was it, like 102 goals. Yeah. But, but oh, normally is... players aren't that bad in something and that good in something else. I know the Europa Conference League is <laughs> the hardest thing in the world, but the sort of <laughs> difference between Alexander Isak in the Premier League and Alexander Isak in the Europa Conference League was insane. Then the biggest turning point of the game in the 67th minute, Ardon Jassari was sent off for Newcastle United. Jassari plays for Luzon in real life, which means Alex Tambrow might have come across him and beat him a million billion times and made him cry. But in this, he was playing for Newcastle and he was sent off. And we just could not take advantage. I was getting desperate. I brought on Joe Gellart, for God's sake, to try and do something. And Paul Ville. And Paul Ville in real life plays in the Dritter Liga. I didn't have any other options. I forgot to mention, actually, 
this game was being played in Munich at the Fußball Arena München, which is apparently what they call the Allianz Arena on this, say, for some reason. I'm guessing that's like the Ashburton Grove to the Emirates Stadium sort of deal. Yeah, probably. But anyway... In the 110th minute, the game went to extra time. In the 110th minute, we got a penalty. And Illiman and Dai stepped up and he scored. And Tennis Berusha Berlin won the Europa Conference League. Yes. We slayed Newcastle United. <laughs> and now they have Danny Cowley as manager. So, you know, it's gone great for them ever since. <laughs> But, yeah, I I couldn't leave at the end of that. I couldn't leave at the end of last year when I was like, well, we're finally entering European competition. I couldn't leave at the end of this season either. Not only because we'd won the Europa Conference League, which would normally mean passage into the Europa League, but also because we had done surprisingly well in the league. We'd started off not playing fantastically, but in the second half of the season, we really took off, including a run of eight straight wins, which really Tennis Borussia Berlin shouldn't be able to do. We were stumbling, though, still. We were fifth place going into the final two games of the season, and... You know, I thought, well, if we win against Newcastle, we're going to be Europa League anyway. But, you know, it'd be nice to try and push for the Champions League. Going into match day 33, we were two points behind the side ahead of us in fourth place. But we were playing them on match day 33. And, of course, it was Hare to Berlin. <laughs> so, a Berlin oh. derby... Last year determined the Europa Conference League, this year determined a place in the Champions League, almost certainly anyway, obviously, you never know what happens on the last day. In the 44th minute, Cyprian Martel would get the only goal of the game, Tennis Borussia Berlin would win 1-0, <laughs> Hertha Berlin fans would cry, and because of a 3-0 win away at Darmstadt the, the week after, we would get into the Champions League. Yes. Which meant I, I couldn't leave then either. There was some bad news this year because I mentioned in the last episode that I'd signed Nicholas Fulkrug and he retired. And <gasps> he's not good enough to bring back as a head of youth development. His stats are atrocious. But in his first year, he'd scored eight goals and got four assists. In his second year, six goals, six assists. In his third year, and granted this is being inflated because of European competition, but he played 50 times and scored 35 goals, assisted 8. So, you know, he really picked up in that final season. It did have that he scored 17 in the Europa Conference League, but the rest came in the Bundesliga. I think he might have been the top goal scorer in the league, which Nicholas Fulkrug being the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga is very unrealistic, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So that meant we entered the Champions League in our next season. This is season three of me updating you now. And again, we, we didn't start off well in the Bundesliga, but who cares about that? Let's talk about the Champions League instead. I did sign a lot of players this year. Leopold Querfeld from Leicester for a ludicrous 12 million euros. I mean, absolutely insane. I also signed Julian Rykoff from Feyenoord, which is a signing I made on my Palmer save as well, which lasted all of four seconds. 
I also signed Linus Gector from Werder Bremen, which is another player I signed for Palmer. Um, some players that you might know, maybe Joe Wormleyton, who I think plays for Leicester City in real life. I've heard the name. Must be in their under-18s. Never. Heard yeah, he plays for Leicester City in real life. He's a right-back. And also Cade Gordon, who is a youngster, I believe, at Liverpool. I cannot yes, find Yes, I him. have heard of him. He's a, he, he's a football manager, Wunderkind. Yeah, while he'd been released by Liverpool, I got both of them on freeze, which seemed ludicrous because yeah. they were amazing players. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's one of those where like they get released on a free after like five years and then just pop out. Like, so, so they pop out released on a free at 22 years old as like a championship quality player. So if you play like a road to glory side, like like Cade Gordon is one of those that like you pick up in like championship league one on a free when he gets released to Liverpool. Yeah. And you're like, damn. Okay, Gordon ended up being a really good player for a Bundesliga side. 6.95 average rating, four goals, five assists. You know, I wasn't expecting him to come in and be my main player, so he was absolutely fantastic. Signed a few regens as well. My favourite among them, Gabriel Gabriel from Dortmund. Anytime somebody has the same first name and last name, you just got to sign them. It's got to be done. You've got to do it. He, he didn't play because he he's a youngster, but he's done really well in the Berlin Liga since I signed him. He, scored tw- he had 20 goal contributions in his first season in 26 games, and then 13-25 in his second season. So absolutely cannot fault it. The Champions League group we were doubt wasn't wasn't great. We had Panathinaikos, Atalanta, Liverpool, PSG, Ferencvaros, Marseille, Sevilla, and Porto. It could have been worse. It could have been way better. We started off with a win against Panathinaikos, a loss against Atalanta, and a loss against Liverpool. And this brought us on to PSG. PSG are a really good side, and they were really good in this save as well. They they signed a ludicrous number of amazing players, their bench would waltz into my team easily. Yeah, 3-0 win. <laughs> Did I spit that out Brilliant. a bit fast? That. Incredible. As sir. Ali Keep ponders how and Paris burns. My, it was really weird, right? So I talked about... Did I talk about signing Diego Lopez? He was a region who I signed this season. From Real Madrid, from their second team. And he was statistically easily my best striker. There wasn't any comparison between him and everyone else. In the Bundesliga, 31 games, 2 goals, 2 assists, 6.6 average rating. He was terrible. And yet football managers still valued him at over 100 million euros midway through that season. I, I don't know how. But in this, he scored against PSG somehow with a wonder strike. And then Fabio Moll got two. Fabio Moll got one goal in the Bundesliga all year as a primary starting player for me, with a 6.7 average rating, but scored two against PSG, because of course he did. Very confused, but I was very happy to win. We then won against Ferencvaros, drew against Marseille, and then won against Sevilla and Porto, which meant that we finished in eighth place. Helped by the fact that PSG had collapsed after losing to us. <laughs> they could not cope through the rest of the campaign. I think they finished something like 20th. So, you know, they got into the playoffs, which, fine, whatever. 
So that meant we had to sit around and wait a bit until we would find out who we would get in the round of 16. And as the teams came out, there was a few who I wanted to face. I kept clicking long Tennis Borussia Berlin take on click PSG. Yeah. <laughs> We've just destroyed them 3 0 in their own stadium. They are going to hate us. And this is not going to be pleasant. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be 10 0, isn't it? So that wasn't fun. We went again to play at the Parc de France. And early on in the game, I think they were a bit too mad about what happened in the first game between us because Vikayo Tamori would get sent off in the 16th minute. He wasn't thrilled about what happened. And then Julian Rykov and Miguel Rodriguez would score. Tennis Borussia Berlin would win 2-0 against PSG. <laughs> yes. So this meant obviously going back to the Monsen Stadion. And by the way, can I just say, this happened with St. Pauli and it's happened with Tennis Borussia. Our fans do not care for European competition. It is deeply confusing. <laughs> the week before the second leg against PSG, we played against Bayer Leverkusen. There were 18,300 fans in attendance, which is not a sellout, but it's not far off for 20,000-seat stadium. We then played PSG... 9,000 fans showed up. This happened with yes. St. Pauli. They're obviously like you. I don't... Well, yeah, actually, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> this happened with St. Pauli as well. I've, I think there was a game against Man United where, like, only 10,000 fans turned up to the Milan tour. I was like, come on, this is one of the biggest games of the club's history. This is fantastic. Let's see, who were the worst side of the Bundesliga that year? In terms of prestige. Oh, Hoffenheim. Oh, of course it's Hoffenheim. Yeah, 14,000 fans turned up for Hoffenheim. 9,000 turned up for PSG. Anyway, would we... Sounds fine to me. Would we win for a third time? No. No, we wouldn't. But we would only lose 1-0 and therefore advance yes! <laughs> to the quarterfinals yes! of the Champions League. And at this point, I was like, oh, well... I've just got through against PSG, who are a club I don't like for reasons which are very obvious. Some of their fans are fantastic. Well, at least one of their fan, fans are fantastic. Hi, JR, if you're listening. JR isn't listening. He's a housemate, by the way, from my first year at uni from uh. Paris. Just in case you want to know. And when I gave him tickets to a Leeds game, he said he'd give me tickets to a PSG game if I was able to attend one. And so I don't want to burn that bridge entirely. Anyway, so I was like, I just don't want another team like that. You know, I want, a, I want a nice team. I want a team who, if I lose to, I won't be too saddened. So, the draw commences, and who do we get? Manchester City. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Manchester City, you still have Erling Haaland. Oh, no. Which I don't think is a surprise, but just go back to Dortmund, mate. Anyway... If I ever see him, I will tell him that. I will not tell him that. Anyway, he scored twice in the first leg at the Etihad Stadium. If this came up as City of Manchester, I forgot what it was called for a second. But anyway, he scored twice. Tennis Borussia Berlin scored three times. Yes! <laughs> Again, Fabio Moll, who cannot score for Toffee in the Bundesliga, 
scores against Manchester City. <laughs> Diego Lopez, he of two goals in the Bundesliga, scores against Manchester City. And Julian Rykoff scores against Manchester City. And I think he had a weird split as well. He scored eight, yeah, he scored eight goals in the Bundesliga from 30 appearances and eight goals in the Champions League from, how many is that? Ten appearances. I, I do not get why my team turned up in Europe but could not hack it in the Bundesliga. Anyway, 3-2, entering the second leg of the Momsen Stadion and it is packed to the rafters, of course not, 9,880 fans. <laughs> For Manchester City. The week before, yes. we had played Dortmund. Well, Dortmund were going to get a sellout, but 19,340. We got 13,000 against Mines. Go figure. So, this is where the bad news really comes in. Six minutes in, 2 0 down. It was going to be a lovely day. There were two more goals through the rest of the game, both of them were for Tebby. Dimitar Georgiev scored in the 11th minute. It took the game to extra time, and in the 120th minute, he who can't score in the Bundesliga, Diego Lopez, got another against Manchester City. So this is four games against PSG and Manchester City in which he has scored, what, four goals? How? <laughs> you can't score against Darmstadt, mate. What's wrong with you? Is he just, like, the big game player of all big game players? I think he must be. How many goals did he score in the Champions League? He scored four goals in the Champions League. I think all of them came against City and PSG. So, I just don't have any clue anymore. So, that meant we got through to the Champions League semi-final, having slayed PSG, having slayed Manchester City. And this is where the bad news generally comes in. We played into... No, we played AC Milan. Don't get those two clubs mixed up. And we did lose both legs 1-0 to get eliminated. Oh, nice. Kind of like Alex Sam Brown's Lichtenstein. It just sort of builds up. You think, oh my god, it's heading to the fantastic finish and crash back down to reality. And that's kind of what it felt like in the Bundesliga as well. It felt like we were just crashing back down to reality all season. Our league form was not good all campaign. We did pick up towards... The end of the year, and unfortunately, we didn't beat Hertha Berlin in like a really crucial game because they had also fallen off a cliff. I think they finished 10th in the end, but we did just about enough to scrape into the Europa League sixth place overall. And at this point, I decided to leave Tennis Borussia Berlin. So long as a good enough job offer came up. I was the overwhelming favourite to take over at Manchester City, but no, no. <laughs> never. No, I don't even have to pretend to be nice because I like I've got a friend who supports them. You know, not <laughs> like PSG. So yeah, that wasn't going to happen. But another job offer did come up, and this one did interest me. And to help understand why, I need to take you back to last year's game where I started off managing Red Star Paris, which is the shirt I am currently wearing. For those of you who are listening to this podcast. Which I picked up when I was in Paris. Lovely guy working for the club store. Don't know his name, but I, I spent too much on Red Star merchandise, which I sometimes wear, but not really. Anyway, so in that Red Star save, I'd built the side up from the Championnat National into Ligue 1, got them into the Champions League, got to the semi-final of the Champions League before getting knocked out, and won one cup with them of note outside of the lower leagues. 
and with this tabby save doing essentially the same thing building them up getting them into the champions league not time semi-final one major trophy i thought you know what maybe it is time to leave and when i saw an opening in france i was like perfect because i have unfinished business in france i want to pick it up and i got offered the leon job and took the leon job it was interesting enough because I do kind of like Leon and lovely city and would really like to visit one day. But there was another really interesting reason to take the the Leon job. Anyone who knows their French football history will know that Leon had a spell of absolute overwhelming dominance where they won seven league and titles in a row, a record that has not been matched since, even with the dominance of PSG. While in this save, PSG had just won their sixth league title in a row. And so I thought, I need to take over Leon and stop them from getting their seventh in a row and keep Leon's record as the standalone perfect record at the top for most consecutive league wins. And I'll be honest, I knew that was optimistic, right? Because Leon had finished sixth the year before and sacked their manager. Does anyone want to guess who the manager was? Wayne Rooney. No, I'll give you a clue. He is French. He has managed in the Premier League. I think he's managed Leon in real life as well, but that was before he came to the Premier League. And I would argue his Premier League managerial stint was one of the most catastrophic of all time. Oh, no, no idea. Because, um, uh, like, Laurent Blanc is the current Leon manager, I think. I can't think. I can't think as to who his French managers are in the Premier League. If I give you the year, I think you'll get it. Go for it. 2015 16. Oh, God, that's like a blind spot for me. <laughs> Do you remember who were relegated? 15 16. That was the year Leicester won the league. Hmm. I'll say they were the worst side in the Premier League by country mile that year. Oh, my God. No, I can't think. Was it Villa? Don't no, tie the club. Villa. Oh. Oh, um, Remy Gard. Remy Gard was the manager. He'd been there for like seven years. I'm just trying to find his profile now to see if he has managed Leon in real life. But I believe he is like a genuine club legend at Leon. The, the current Leon manager is in fact Leon. Yeah, yeah. I did get that oh, right. sorry, I nodded. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, he managed Leon no, before he went to Villa. He managed Villa horribly. And his career's petered out in real life anyway. I don't believe he's had a managerial position since he was at whatever Montreal Impact went on to be known as. No one knows anymore. They've had 27 rebrands. But he managed Leon for six years in the game. And did well, but obviously not that well because he was then sacked. And I came in with hopes of getting Champions League football not really doing much more. And missing Champions League was a bit of a problem because all of the players wanted Champions League football and were willing to leave. And this has led to me selling 267 million euros worth of player in my first season. Ooh. Which good. is good for the bank account, is not good for the quality of player that we've get let go of. Mauro Gusto went to Real Madrid for 95 million euros. Then we had Mattia Viti go for 40 million to Milan. Manuel Solomon and Alvaro Fernandez both go to Al Shabab. 
Carl Jakob Hein to Atalanta for 18 million. The one I was most disappointed about, Moussa Dembele wanted a new challenge, and since he's a club legend at Lyon at this point, he made 293 appearances for the club in game. I, I decided to give him it, and Freiburg wanted him, and Freiburg are lovely, so they could have him. The, the one I was most disappointed about, actually there was two I was really disappointed about. First of all, Julian Ryerson, who I was so excited for, because obviously... As a Bundesliga fan, Julian Ryerson is like one of my favourite players at the moment. Barring this weekend, in which he was not one of my favourite players. <laughs> but apart from that, he has been fantastic for Union Berlin and Dortmund. And he, midway through the transfer window, said, I want to go. And I like him too much to make him unhappy. So I, I let him go. He went to Osasuna. The other one I was really annoyed at, Leon had signed Jude Soons up Bow. Soon's up bow. Yep. A player who in real life plays for Chelsea, apparently. And I was very excited to have him. He looked like a really promising winger. He had been on loan at Nice for a year before, but you know, that's not a problem. I'll have him back in my Leon side and ready to go for the new season, except I hadn't quite read the loan condition properly because he immediately joined on a permanent signing, which had been agreed before I joined the club. Which wasn't great. Pain. But I was able to bring in some players, obviously, with $267 million in sales. I'll go through the actual real-life human beings. Matroy Jallo, who in real life plays for Pacos de Ferreira. In the game, was playing for Leeds United. I signed him for $17 million. And Selma Garcia McNulty, who in real life plays for Wolfsburg. I signed for $11 million. And... All of the rest of Egypt? Oh, no. I also signed Jordi Osei Tutu. How could I forget that? Because he had played for my <laughs> Tennis Borussia Berlin side. I'd sold him to Hanover for, I believe, three million when I signed Joe Wormleyton. And I'm getting his name wrong 100%. And he had really not done well at Hanover as they got relegated. He was transfer listed and he joined me at Lyon as opposed to going to another Spice Bundesliga club. So I was very happy about that. My biggest signing, well, flash forward a bit, came in the January transfer window. I signed a guy called Yakubo Okoye from Wolfsburg for £30 million. I don't think I've ever signed a player for £30 million on Football Manager, outside of like the added to save where I'm just mucking around and all that. So this year was just meant to be sort of developing this new young squad. All of my players were young, apart from Jallo, who was quite old. And just trying to see if I could get somewhere close to the... Well, obviously, Champions League football is the minimum, but see if I can get close to PSG. And most importantly, see if I could try and stop them from winning the title somehow. So we started off with... Is that this season? Oh, yeah, that is this season. It's just really fine for the future. So we started off against Nantes in the league. We won that 1-0 and then we beat Toulouse 4-1 away from home the week after. Our third game of the season was against PSG. And to be honest, I just wanted to use this game as sort of a litmus test to see where I would be for the rest of the season. We won 2-0 against PSG and went top of Ligue 1. This is only after three games, but Matroy Giallo was clearly the best player in the squad at this point. He was averaging something like an 8.2 through the opening three games of the season. He'd been fantastic, and he'd scored twice to give us a win against PSG. 
and that has sort of reflected the rest of the season. We are 20 games into the season now. I've won 19 and lost one. No, drawn, yeah, lost one. So it's been more successful than I expected. The one loss came against Monaco and they will become my news and more of it if I win every other game between now and the end of the season. It'd be even worse because if I win 33 games and only lose to Monaco, they will become my arch nemesis from now until the end of time. If you remember off recording, this is obviously for Tilbar Alex, as I was saying, there's a big game coming up and I'm scared to play it. That was PSG again, and we won 3-1 in the reverse leg. Yes! So, we are currently 12 points clear at the top of League 1 with 14 games to go. And I, <laughs> well, I would say I don't know how this has happened, but I entirely do know how this has happened, because some players have really taken while to being in this new Leon setup. The biggest among them is Gianluca Scamacca, who I know in real life plays for Ooh. West Ham. I don't know how he's done this year. Not great. Not great. That kind of what I was expecting. In this game, he has done very well. Last year, for record, he scored 16 goals in 40 games across all competitions. Seven in the league. This year, so far, he has played 26 games. And scored 38 goals. Ooh. I don't know. That's a lot. I don't know how I've got this out of him. But he's averaging 7.7 at the moment. He has been absolutely mega dominant. I didn't even start him at first. I signed this regen called... Oh, sorry, new gen called Fernandez. Gustavo Fernandez from Uruguay. And he was meant to be my starting striker. But then Skamaka came in and has not given up that place since because he has been absolutely all-conquering. And I do think if I did try and remove him from the side, Daniel Bubala, who I bought over from Tennis Borussia Berlin, would go, have you actually lost the plot? You're insane. <laughs> We're playing in the Europa League, obviously, because Leon finished sixth in the league last year. We played Dortmund in our opening game, no contest. Played AEK, no contest. Um, Milada Boleslav, no context. Utrecht, draw. Of course. <sighs> Don't know why. Gianluca Scamacca only scored one in that game. It's a disgrace. He should leave. <laughs> beat Club Bruges, beat Mechelen, and I think I've got one game to go. Oh, I beat Christiansen last week in the Europa Conference League. Sorry, in the Europa League. As I've been playing this, Gianluca Scamacca getting the casual four goals in that game. So, thank you very much, Gianluca. But it wasn't just him. There have been uh, quite a few ludicrously good players. Jordi Osei Tutu has been playing a lot of right back, which I didn't plan for. But when you're averaging 7.37 per game, I'm, I'm not going to take you out of the squad. He's listed as emergency backup because that's... Well, that's what he wanted. And he just I think he just wanted to be with me again, which understandable. <laughs> but yeah, he he's done surprisingly well. I brought in a new goalkeeper called Marcel Berger from Leipzig, who wasn't playing for them and had last had a stint with Middlesbrough in the championship, which wasn't good, but he's had ten clean sheets in fifteen league games. So I'm not gonna get get rid of him either. 
Garcia McNulty, 7.3. Tahir, who's another regen, 7.2. Santa Maria, another regen, 7.2. Maxence Kakare, who is a real-life mm-hmm. Leon player, 7.5. Is there anyone I'm missing? Oh, Kakare is very good. Ruben Rodriguez, who is a regen I signed from Valencia for 5 million, who was meant to do absolutely nothing this year, has recently come in and just been dominant he's got a 7.59 average rating i don't know how because he's not very good but now 20 clubs want him luckily all on loan that is a lot of clubs they all want him on loan because they're expecting me to want to keep him because i absolutely do want to keep him and he only signed for us this summer but yeah he's been doing everyone's been doing unexplainably well i don't know quite how they're doing as well as they are doing oh um awar and so you say his name awar i don't know how you say his name french yeah. names Our. he's also done really well he's still at leon he's made 310 appearances for the club and this year he's averaging 7.62 because of course he is so yeah it's been a wild ride so far with leon but if i can keep this squad together then good times are ahead did you notice back in the middle of Towels' segment where I started doing this and looking at the screen all depressed, Man United have put in a bid for Skamak when he really wants to go. Oh no. Ah. Oh no. I don't like this. I really don't like this because I'm not getting anyone near his quality if he, if he leaves. I've got to persuade him to stay or cry or something, beg. Maybe not sing, because if I sing, he will definitely want to go. But kidnap, I mean, I don't really know what my options are at this point, but I feel like I've got to do something drastic, because if he goes, then... Oh, God. He was already looking at exploring the options at the end of his contract, because his contract expires at the end of next season, and he, he clearly isn't interested in playing for Leon for whatever reason. But... Yeah, I thought I had some time to figure out a solution for that, but now in the second to last day of the transfer window, thanks Gianluca, he has decided he wants to leave. So, very sad times at the moment at Leon. but I think with where we are in the league, having won 19 of 20 games, and with us 12 points clear of PSG, I think we should probably be able to hold on for the title now. But... Losing Skamaka is not going to be a pleasant feeling for me, which is not what I was expected to say ever. Weird question. Have you promised him to, to promise to sell him to Man United, or have you promised to sell him for a certain value? I've not promised. I've not done anything. You've actually just accepted it. No, I've not done anything. I've just seen the offer literally came in as I was playing, and I've not done anything on the game since. There, there's a workaround. So if you promise. Oh, thank God. There's a tip. If you ever promise to sell a player uh, for a certain amount of money, okay, you can you can blank house it by you know promising to sell them for that amount of money and then setting their transfer value at say if you promise to sell a player for forty five million, if you set their transfer yeah. value at ten, all the AI clubs will come in with around about ten million pound offers and will come nowhere close to the amount of money oh, you wow. promise to sell a player for. So you never break the promise, so the player stays happy, and then you never sell the player, which keeps you happy as well. I'm going to have to do this because Skamaka cannot leave. He is far yeah. too valuable for me. 
You, I think so, I feel like yeah. the, that's what you have to do. Reject the bid from Man United and then say, oh, no, they weren't offering enough. This is how much mm. I'll sell you for. And then just quickly go into its transfer value and go, right, I'll put you up for sale for 10 million. They 100% aren't offering enough. They're offering 48 million for a guy who scored, what was it again? 38 goals this season? Yeah, no. So so I did a save with Leon in the beta. I think I talked about this on the podcast. Mm, um, yeah, you did. I, my star signing was Kelechi Iquinacho after after Moussa Dembele went to Real Madrid for £30 million in the January of my first season. So my recommendation is find Kelechi Iquinacho and sign him. don't know where he is in the save, actually. I think he went to Germany for a bit, unless I'm thinking of another save. Which is possible. I do not know how to spell his name at all. There he is. He's at Southampton. Never mind. He never did that. 167 games. How good is he? He seems fine. He's 33 though, so that's not happening. Right, okay. So, going into the Going Deutsch editor save. A lot has happened, again, thankfully. Because otherwise... I'd say there's not enough content for this podcast. But there absolutely is enough content for this podcast. So, starting off with the Dritter Liga, I do want to point out at this point, I'd actually never seen the Dritter Liga trophy before today. Somebody talked about it after what happened yesterday in the Dritter Liga, which was insane. And, you know, if you want to find out about that, then I'm sure there's podcasts that can find, give you information about how the Dritter Liga finished. I know a good one. Where's the plug? Where's the plug? <laughs> it's the going, going Podcast is a podcast that ended about three weeks ago. Yeah, probably. <laughs> As you're listening to this. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is that the Dritter Liga trophy is terrible. As somebody on Reddit said, and I agree with them, it's kind of like three shin pads stacked one on top of each other. I, I've just Googled it. It looks like the kind of trophy that you'd get at, like... like it looks like the kind of trophy you'd pick up for, like, most improved player. Oh, hey, I will most improved player once. So did I, Alex. That's how I can make that joke. Fair enough. So no, starting no, it's, off, is the trophy for sorry? Is the trophy for most tackles in a season because it's just the shin pads on the team. yeah? <laughs> Which goes to Roy Kent. Yay! Yeah. Anyway, so starting off then with the Dritter Liga, I'll be very quick about this. Holstein Kiel bound straight back up to the Spider Bundesliga. Sandhausen were promoted in the promotion relegation playoff with Sebastian Hernes managing them. So Sebastian Hernes in a promotion relegation playoff doing well. That that bodes well for the future. And oh my god, I forgot to mention this. Should I mention it when we get into the Spider Bundesliga? I think I should mention it when we get into the Spider Bundesliga. But just remember Sandhausen won the promotion playoff. Magdeburg won the league. That's not where the interest is. The interest is with the fact that there are well, there's one Bundesliga club, or two current Bundesliga clubs in the league, and neither of them did well. Augsburg finished 10th in the Dritter Liga. Hoffenheim, who I've slightly demolished, were nearly relegated. They only finished one point clear of the drop to the Region Liga. I'm looking forward to the day when they finally get kicked out of that league as well. How did so, you demolish? Why? Why? Well, why, why did I demolish Hoffenheim? Yes. They're Hoffenheim. How did I demolish them? Well, you took away all their players? Yeah, I took away all their players. 
I don't think I did anything else. I think I changed their reputation to being what it should be, which is of a regional club. Because that's what they actually are. <laughs> also, HSV are in the league, and I've not done a lot to them before this season to have them down there. They they generally just got relegated out of their own incompetence, which is hilarious. And just for any HSV fans listening, if you think you have it bad now, no. Not this bad. I, I did get rid of a few players this year, though, because they looked like they were going to get promoted back to the Spider Bundesliga, and I was like, no, no, no. Um, they finished 12th in the Dritter Liga in the end. So let's go up to the Spider Bundesliga. Of course, Ted Lasso is still in this league with Bayreuth, as is Alex Tamp Brown, who was managing Saarbrücken at the beginning of the season. And actually, before I go any further... I am delighted to say that all of our managers stayed in their jobs. There wasn't a sacking this year for the first time in the same. (laughs) Because I replaced your V-Gen, whatever, new-gen guys with actual managers and and just wrote over their names, which, as I said last time, feels wrong, but it's what we're going to do. And all of them stayed in their positions. Alex Tamp-Brown's probably looked the most dicey, at least on paper, because he was with a Saarbrücken side, which the season preview said should have been finishing... Well, at first it said it should they should have been finishing in the top 5, and it dropped down to the top 10. It's currently 13th, which is still higher than where you finished, but we'll get on to that in a bit. <laughs> so, you signed a few really good players. I found it very funny that you signed Naivu Ahamada, who plays for Crystal Palace in real life, but... For me, hilariously and infamously, his last moment in the Bundesliga as an as a Stuttgart player, sorry, was him running into the crowd to join in, in celebrations and then getting sent off for having done so. That's his last moment for Stuttgart. What a <laughs> what a way to go out. My so you signed <laughs> you signed him for, for on a, was it on a free? Oh yeah, signed him on a free from relegated Darmstadt. Uh, you signed Linton Miner as well, who is a pl- a player that going Deutsch listeners will know. He signed for someone this summer, uh, Köln. He signed for Köln last summer, I should say. He's been playing his first season of the Bundesliga this time around, so really good signing. David Kinsombi as well, who's a good player for Sandhausen in real life. My favourite signing of yours was well, one that you made, Steven Skribski who is a player that going Deutsch listeners will be very familiar with because I could not get his name right at all at the beginning of the season. I said, I hope he doesn't have a good season and he's gone on to score nearly 20 goals in the league. So I'd luckily learnt how to say his name because I had to because it kept being repeated on a weekly basis. I, I made him 200 current ability after that. Oh, he's gone to LAFC. He's gone to LAFC. He's got 200 current ability. Oh, I'm sorry, 191 now. And he went to LAFC for half a million. <laughs> In all oh, fairness, 200 current ability, 22 appearances, 7 goals, 3 assists, 6.9 average rating. So that 200 current ability was going precisely nowhere for you. And then also <laughs> gave you Bruno Fernandes. And he he didn't want to play for Saarbrücken. He, he was... He wanted to go to a bigger club, so I said, fine, and loaned him out to Veitcher 
in the Dritter Liga who are <laughs> currently a semi-professional side. So I hope you're happy <laughs> with your request. That's hey, what I was pause you for a second? Go on. I'm let two weeks after I let Michael Stickland go to Forest Green, I've got my first Stickland excited by informed Taunton email. <laughs> I still get Carry emails on. about well, I did get emails about Christian Colvetter for Tabby Berlin saying he was excited by their form. I was like, You haven't played for us since the Dritter Liga. What what I'm glad you still have an opinion. Then again, in all fairness, you've not played for us since the third tier, we're in the top flight. What are you doing commenting on us? Doesn't really work because Jermaine Beckford still talks about Leeds all the time. And I'm very <laughs> grateful that he does. But yeah, so Bruno Fernandes went to Reitsche, who were relegated, and he's on a loan deal from Saarbrücken until 2032. Don't worry, you're not paying any of his wages. He's on £750 a week, and he will like it. And Oh, sorry, €750, Euros, which is less. So I will be keeping him there for the Regional League campaign, because he deserves it. Saarbrücken ended up doing... Well, not great, considering that they have Ahamada, they had Steven Skribski, they had Bernardo Silva, who I bought from PSG just for fun. Uh, they finished 15th in the end, just one point, oh sorry, one place clear of the relegation playoffs. But they did finish five points clear after winning three of their last four games. So, Alex Tamp Brown really turning around at the end of the campaign to keep... So I'm looking in the Spider Bundesliga. Hopefully I can get them to push on next year by signing loads of really, really good players. The sides who went down, Prussian Munster, who in real life playing the fourth tier, and apparently didn't really adapt to Spider Bundesliga life, even though I had given them Hyun Min Song and Andre Silva. Apparently that wasn't enough for them. How did Son do overall? 29 games, 5 goals, 7 assists, 6.72 average rating. Fantastic. Do you want Hyunmin Son? No. Mm. Yeah, that's what I expected. <laughs> Andre Silva, 13 goals and a 6.48 average rating. You know, Andre Silva of Leipzig. So, well done him. Anyway, Greuther Firth would also get relegated to the Drissel Liga, having been in the Bundesliga in this save and obviously in real life recently. The other side who would get relegated, the side who were relegated against Sandhausen in the relegation playoff, Alversberg, the side with Kylian Mbappe, were relegated <laughs> out of the Spider Bundesliga. Was it Mbappe's oh, wow. fault? Not really. Not. He got 14 goals, 6 assists, and a 7.18 average rating. It was kind of everyone else's fault, including Rando Colomarani, who I think had a truly abysmal campaign. Well, he got 10 goals, but at a 6.69 average rating, which, you know, in the Spider Bundesliga, when you are Rando Colomarani, isn't really good enough. They also had Stefan Tiggers, and he did terribly. I didn't sign Stefan Tiggers for them. They signed him. And, well, he didn't prove to be the Tiganator in the end. So, they're going back down to the Dritter Liga. I mean, to be honest, Alversberg of fighter would never work. Right? Can you even picture Alversberg of fighter? I can't. Did they, they did win promotion in the end, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, barely. Good. They absolutely crawled over the line. But, 
They're from a village of 12,000 people. That's about the same size as Taunton. My village is bigger. Well. Yeah. yeah it's big. fighter. My village is bigger. We don't even have a club. Yeah, Taun- Taunton's bigger. Taunton's like 50,000. It's more like Minehead. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's absolutely tiny. Anyway, the other big side that we want to focus on when it comes to the Spider Bundesliga by Wolf with Ted Lasso. I had decided before this season that if Ted couldn't hack it this year, I was going to just send him to a Bundesliga club and send all of those players with him. I made the squad even more ludicrous than it was before. So I'll just read through the players again, and you tell me if you think this squad would do well in this fight to Bundesliga. Chesney, Neko Williams, Virgil van Dijk, Chris Metham, Angelino, Robert Andrick, Christian Eriksen, Emre Champ, Bakayo Saka, Jack Grealish, Darwin Nunes, Pontus Janssen, Gabriel Paulista, Nicholas Hoffler, Matthias Bogut, Eric Gutierrez, Antoine Griezmann. No, I think they go down. Should be. Should be going up. Yeah, that side should be going up. And luckily, finally, they did. They only finished second, and they lost both of their last two games to put that under severe threat. But because Wacker Berghausen also lost on the last day, Bayreuth were promoted to the Bundesliga, which really is the bare minimum for a side who, in the preseason odds, were 91-1 to on. And to be honest, I think this time that's accurate, considering their squad compared to the rest of the league. Back at Berghausen, like I said, did do really well. They finished fifth in the end because of that last day loss, but with Kai Havertz and Diet Up and Bacano, they have been doing, well, really well. I also noticed they signed Marcel Hartle without my permission, and so I made him 200 current ability to have them <laughs> because I want to see Marcel Hartle do well. He's been a great player for St. Bowley. And he, he did well in the game as well, 7.39 average rating. The other side two went up, by the way, just because I want to talk about them for a bit. Fortuna Cone finished ninth in their first season in the Spider Bundesliga. And one of our best players, one of the best players in the league, 21 goals and 4 assists from 32 games, a 7.54 average rating. Who was it? He originally came over to play for Towels at Eintracht Braunschweig. Yay! But then he left. And now oh. he doesn't play for you. It's been so long, I can't really... I'll give you a clue. I, I signed him explicitly for Towels, because I thought Towels would like him. Nicholas Fulkrug. It wasn't Nicholas Fulkrug, but you're very close with his first name. Marvin... No, Nicholas Sula. Nick. Makuti. Nick Makuti got 21 goals in 32 games. Inverse Fighter Bundesliga. Very exciting. Didn't you boost him to, like, 200 current ability or something? I didn't boost him to 200, but I boost him, boosted him to like 150. So, yeah, he's proven to be really good. A player who wasn't as good as him, Marcus Rashford, very disappointing season at Fortuna Cone. I just, there's no reason behind any of these before anyone asks, oh, why did you sign Marcus Rashford for Fortuna Cone? It's because the people of Cone are hungrier than your average German city. No, not really. I just signed him for absolutely no reason. He got 15 goal contributions across 33 games. And then, genuinely, they signed Brendan Aronson. (laughs) (laughs) 
10 sure. goals, 13 assists, 7.64 average rating. Him and Mines were going after him, but I had boosted Fortuna Cone's reputation to being well above Mines. Don't like Mines anymore. I damaged from in the middle of half of the season just because they deserve it. Imagine Jurgen Klopp building that side up only for them to stab him in the back and deny his former side of the title. I'm sure he's crying. <laughs> he did say actually he was really nervous ahead of the final game for Dortmund and probably disappointed now. Anyway. Jurgen's sad. Jurgen's sad. Everyone's sad. Even Bayern fans are probably sad. I don't know. They're sad because they didn't win the league by 27 points. Mm. Either way, Energy Cottbus were the other side promoted to the Spice Bundesliga and I helped them out as well. And their best player by a mile. The third highest goal scorer in the league. 22 goals from 31 games. Does anyone want to guess who it is? I'll give you a clue because you can't just guess that. It's a miracle he scored any goals at all, and it's a miracle he was able to stay healthy for 31 games. He's normally injured for 31 games in a season. Where does this player normally play? In England. Patrick Bamford. I would say Rashford. Who did Tal say? Patrick Bamford. Patrick Bamford. Yes! We've already talked about Rashford. He's a Fortuna Cone. I can't believe I you don't know, know. that. Everyone knows that Rashford plays for Fortuna Cone. Harvey Elliott also Sorry, did well. asking about uh, someone scoring goals. Paddy Bamford doesn't come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's fair. So, Harvey Elliott, I, I loaned him from Liverpool. He did well. 7.23 average rate, 11 goals, 15 assists. Was there anyone else I bought for them? Oh, yeah, Nolchowski's fair. That wasn't a me thing, but... Going Deutsch listeners will know who he is. They finished sixth in the Spider Bundesliga. The winners of the league, though, were Fortuna Dusseldorf, who, once again, I think, rode the coattails of their superstar strike, Matthias Arezzo, who was scoring more than Erling Haaland. He only got 21 goals this season, which is one fewer than Bamford, so <laughs> we don't know what's going on there. Who do we think was the top goal scorer in the Spider Bundesliga? It's one of the obvious names. Kylian Mbappe. No, Erling actually, because Erling Haaland got 24 goals in twenty in 31 games. Kai Havertz, the second top goal scorer, 23 and 33. And this is something that is definitely going to happen about two seasons from now in the Spider Bundesliga in reality, <laughs> where Kai Havertz and Erling Haaland are dueling for the best striker in the second Bundesliga. Well, Kai Havertz might be there. <laughs> Kai Havertz could be there, sure. He could. He deserves to be there. I, I funnily enough, do not watch any Chelsea. Has he been he's n- He's been decidedly ungood. Oh. If I mean, Felix was bad, then Kai Havertz was worse. Jesus, that is bad. In yeah. my opinion. Chelsea are one of the like five sides. I just avoid like the plague. I will not list to anything about them at all costs. Yeah. Anyway, anyway you now learned about Ch- Chelsea against your will. Uh, no, it's okay. I I talked about Chelsea earlier on, but that's only because it was a game where they lost to Stephen McPhail. <laughs> so let's go to the Bundesliga, and I'll be honest, I've I've killed them. I've completely killed them, and this was before the weekend. But finishing last on 12 points, Bayern Munich. Yes! <laughs> Get in! 
I, I'll be honest, I'm disappointed because I, I, I went into the summer, I was like, I'm going to rebuild Bayern Munich and I know the two players to do it. And so I signed for them Dan James for 150 million euros and Mark Rocker for 180 million euros and apparently that didn't work. I Shock. don't know why. Shock horror. They, oh, also, Mauricio Postino left just before the beginning of the season. Uh, this is the first year I've actually affected their reputation, and I, I tanked that, and he left for Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in all fairness, was a bigger job at this point. Speaking of Southampton, I've just beaten them 2-1 to move into a Europa Conference League spot. Nice. So, Bayern Munich didn't win in the last 18 games of the season. So, when they do get promoted back to... In fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and get them promoted back to the Bundesliga and then tank their squad entirely, see if I can break the record of Tasmania Berlin. I think that's got to be done, right? But, yes. yeah, 18 without a win to end the season. Does anyone want to guess who the manager now is? I'll give you a clue. We've already discussed him being a weird job on this podcast already oh wait this is probably off i say off camera or off recording olivier um, Giroud. frank it wasn't lampard Giroud. it wasn't frank lampard no it was on recording because i deliberately asked about him on the podcast or i deliberately asked about who was in a certain job on the podcast see this has been so long ago four of us now <laughs> is we, we've all forgotten <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, I I think I have no. probably forgotten. Yeah, God. I asked Alex Tamp Brown who the German national team manager was. <gasps> so is it Hansi Flick? No, because he wasn't the German national team manager on your save. Oh no, of course not. It's Daniel yeah. Fark. Daniel Fark. <laughs> <laughs> I know your save better than you do. I thought you meant real life. No. <laughs> He's not in the game either, is he? He's in it, mine. Is he? Oh, well, yeah. in mine. As soon as you start the new game, a new manager is appointed to Germany. Like, his name's there, but he's not an active manager. Weird, weird, weird. I don't think he's in the base game. I'm guessing your database put him back in. Yeah, I got one of those FM Pro updates, basically. Yeah, but I'm guessing he didn't want to be in the game for whatever reason. Yeah, nice nothing comes up under Hansi Flick. Anyway, so, yeah, Bayern Munich completely fell off the cliff, and despite me trying to help them as much as possible, Dinamo Dresden would get relegated on the last day of the season, saving Leipzig, which was deeply disappointing. I gave Dresden Antonio Conte at the beginning of the season, and he had an extraordinary press conference midway through, where he just really went off against the ownership and the players. It was really weird. And nothing that you'd ever hear about in real life. But anyway, I, I signed Marcus Taram's younger brother, who I can never get the first name of. They signed Roland Salai, Lucas Metcher. I gave them Marcus Antonio and Araujo and like two other players from Lazio, who I can't remember now because they're not on the list anymore and I can't find them. Besides Patrick Pfeiffer, don't do that. Don't take him away from Union. Oh, I also signed Rafa Guerrero and Felipe Anderson. That's what I was thinking of. But they spent 114 million euros in the transfer window, which is about 113.5 million euros more than they can spend in real life. 
and they still got relegated out of the Bundesliga, which was a real disappointment. Also a disappointment was Marcelo Bielsa's Arminia Bielefeld only finishing 12th, despite having a load of really good players, including Gabriel Martinelli, Pedro Porro, Ryan Gravenberch, Calvin Phillips. I gave him Calvin Phillips, and Calvin Phillips played 31 times for Arminia Bielefeld this season, which is, let me just, I'm going to calculate it out. 30 times more than he played for Manchester City in real life, probably. <laughs> it's a guess. <laughs> I think about 28, actually. 28. Uh, Serge Nabry I also signed for Arminia Bielefeld because he was at Bayern Munich and once I tanked their reputation, he said he wanted to move to a bigger club and Arminia Bielefeld was that bigger club. He was very happy in Bielefeld. So... Yeah, fair reputation. I, I did quite a hit to it. Outside of them, obviously, the two main sides we want to talk about. Well, actually, there's four sides I want to talk about more than any others. Werder Bremen, who hired Alex Towles in the preseason, as he asked. Yay. I let him leave Schalke. Actually, Schalke's also really interesting. And join Werder Bremen. They finished sixth in the end this season. Let me just see if I can get the stats up. Selection info. Who did well? Well, Nicholas Fulkrug did well. 18 goals in the league. The idea of Nicholas Fulkrug scoring that many goals in a well, he didn't score that many, he scored 16, but was injured. The idea of Nicholas Fulkrug scoring lots of goals in the Bundesliga, though, absolutely ludicrous. Kevin De Bruyne did very well, obviously. Samuel Chiquese did very well. I don't even remember signing Ilkay Gundawan for Verdo. I think they might have just done that themselves, which is quite <laughs> funny. But yeah, oh, they signed Ayesa from Real Sociedad on loan. And Ayesa was another one of my South Vigo players who I could not remove from the squad because he ended up being the best goalkeeper in the world. And I was like, but I've signed these really good young goalkeepers. And Ayesa was like, no, I'm going to keep another clean sheet. You're, <laughs> you're not getting rid of me that easy. So yeah, a very good season for Werder Bremen. They finished sixth, one place and one point behind Union Berlin. There were a lot of points this season where it looked like I was going to get sacked because <laughs> the message kept coming up saying it under threat. I did really up Union Berlin's reputation. I believe they're now the highest reputation club in Germany and were expected to challenge for the title. They, they didn't, and that's a massive shame. But still, Jude Bellingham had 16 goal contributions, so it's not all bad. Who's the and Matisse... Yeah, Matisse Tal scored 22 times in the league. I don't know who the league's top goal scorer was. Who was it? Um, player. Oh, it was Vinicius at Karlsruhe. And luckily he wasn't racially abused every week, so that was very nice. Anyway, moving on then. The winners of the Bundesliga for the third time in four seasons were Kaiserslautern. They won by five points over second place, which was St. Pauli, who <laughs> obviously were promoted to the Bundesliga last year. I didn't really have any intentions of making them one of the best teams in Germany, but Erdin Terzic took his side to a second place finish, and this time it was impressive, Yay. as opposed to <laughs> deeply heartbreaking. Dapo Lion scored 22 goals and had 17 assists, which does feel like what would happen if Dapo Lion did play in the Bundesliga, and I'm very much looking forward to the day that he does. 
I signed Harker Val, who has just signed for St. Pauli in real life. For those of you who don't know, just because I want to tell everyone, he scored an own goal against St. Pauli for Holstein Kiel last week. And then on the Tuesday after the game, he announced he was signing for St. Pauli. And I just found that funny because his last moment playing for Holstein Kiel before signing for St. Pauli was him scoring an own goal against St. Pauli. So very funny. I signed him and I made him one of the best defenders in the world because he clearly is. And a goal-scoring force, hopefully he scores in the right net next season. He scored three goals in the Bundesliga. Harry Kane got 20 for St. Pauli. Oh my god, I've just realised they signed Leo Erstegaard. I didn't even do that. Well, Leo Erstegaard, who obviously well-known defender, plays for Napoli in real life... Was on loan at St. Pauli back in the 2019-20 season, I want to say. And I'm like 99% sure as a Leeds fan. Because I'm sure St. Pauli did a throwback Thursday on their Twitter. And it had Leo Oestergaard in a homemade Leeds shirt. But I've never been able to find the image since. And I can't be bothered to do that much looking. So, we'll just pretend it's definitely true. Oh, Jackson Irving also got a 7.38 average rating. So, yeah. St. Pauli going to second in the Bundesliga with Erdin Terzic at the helm. I do want to briefly touch on Schalke because after Towels left, I wanted to give them the best chance of, you know, continuing to do well. I was like, it, it's harsh for Towels to decide to leave. Let's, let's give him a nice manager to replace him. And I hired Pep Guardiola. And from day, like, two, that was clearly a bad idea because Pep Guardiola was immediately unhappy about being at Schalke. <laughs> And I didn't realise this until a couple of weeks after, but he left midway through the season to take the Crystal Palace job. And so I sacked him from the Crystal Palace job just because I was annoyed that he would leave Schalke for Crystal Palace, doing what we like to call the Max Meyer. Oh, that's, a, that's a reference. That is a, that is a reference that you've made. I wonder what he's up to at the moment. Nothing is my guess. I was going to say, if I can make another Simpsons reference, it's the, no, don't forget, you're here forever. Meme. <laughs> yeah. Now, I was going to immediately put him back in charge of Schalke, but they'd already replaced him with another manager. Does anyone want to guess who? No, but I will say that Max Meyer oh. is playing for FC Luzerne in the Swiss Super League. Hey! It all comes full circle. So, I'll give you a clue. They know each other really well, Pep and this other manager. They used to be colleagues, but are now rivals. And their hairs, their hair looks really weird if you switch them over to the other head. Yeah, Mikel Arteta took over the Schalke job, and he did reasonably well. Very minor in the relegation playoff game the year before they finished ninth in the Bundesliga this time around. Only nine points off Stuttgart in Europe, and Stuttgart in Europe is not something anyone has said for a long time. But Kaiserslautern. I've won the Bundesliga again for the third time in four years. Now we have to see if anyone can actually stop them before they become the new Bayern Munich. Hopefully they can. Hopefully I believe in them. What, stop them or hopefully Kaiserslautern can do what Bayern have done? Hopefully hopefully Kaiserslautern can do what Bayern have done. Oh no, I'm going to try and stop them. Why must you, why must you be such a chaos? Because <laughs> it's fun. Alex Woodward oh. dreams of turning the Bundesliga into the NFL. Not in terms of like the promotion or relegation or anything, but in terms of having like evenness. A, a different win of every year. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I can get behind that. Those sides gone back to back in the NFL since 2003. 
That's so a there long you go. time. Just one more thing, because I've just remembered it. When we were knocked out of the Champions League by AC Milan with Tebby Berlin, they lost in the final to Arsenal. Thought you'd want to know. Yeah, I, I love that. And Arsenal won in this recent um, going Deutsch year. They they beat Inter Milan in the final, which you know is also good. Oh, they won it at Old Trafford. Oh, can you imagine? Just to go off. To go off on a tangent, which, you know, we need because this podcast is not long enough. When the Leeds Rhinos won Super League, like, all the times we've won it, it's the Grand Finals played at Old Trafford. And so, blasting out on the loudspeakers is marching on together at Old Trafford. <laughs> it, is always my, it was always my favourite part. Not even winning the trophy, but hearing marching on together being played at Old Trafford was just perfect for me. Well, speaking of Old Trafford, my next game is away against Manchester United. And we're going to play it live. No, this is too long. We're not going to do that. Thank I you. I think we might have to cut this up into part one and two. <laughs> I feel as though, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Um, this has been a podcast. It's very long. Uh, if you want, if you've ever wondered why we only do this once a month, it's because after sitting down and talking to each other about Football Manager for three hours, we get sick of each other and don't want to do it for another month. <laughs> so we'll see you again next month. Uh, thank you to Alex Tam Brown for providing us with nine entire seasons of Lichtensteiner content. Uh, I love you always, boys, both of you. Uh, thank you to Alex Woodward for making me the Werder Bremen manager. Merci beaucoup. Uh, and thank you to you for listening. We will be back whenever we can next be able to record a podcast. It will probably be about another month. This podcast will be out at some point. Cheers. Au revoir. Au revoir.